0: Hello, listeners. This is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening smartly to At At the the Bridge Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea Chelsea FC FC podcast, podcast. although I would describe it as the Chelsea FC podcast. (laughs) What's up, everyone? You're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. On this episode, the game review, we review Chelsea 7. That is seven unanswered goals against Norwich City. Mikey Berth and Chris are here to break that exact game down. So here they are. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mikey. And joining me today, is, it's just Chris. Um, I'm sure listeners are thinking, wait a minute, Berth had a medical Saturday. I know, ongoing situation. Uh we're all under a uh, non-disclosure agreement. Can't talk too much. <laughs> but uh, how how was your weekend, Chris? Uh
1: yeah, pretty good. Um, obviously Saturday was was really good, and then it followed on into Sunday, where watching Man United get humiliated <laughs> by Liverpool was was pretty funny. Just five, uh, yeah. just
0: overall, yeah. pretty good weekend. Yeah, well, yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad for myself. Um, it was it was just, it was a it was an overall. It was a. I don't often watch lunchtime kickoffs. But I did watch the Chelsea one for obvious reasons, and I was pleasantly surprised at how enjoyable of a lunchtime kickoff it was. So if I anyone back, yeah, if anyone backed the early kickoff and picked Chelsea to nil, then uh, they might have been happy with their uh, their ACA. Um So obviously it's time for our Premier League review. Uh, it was game week nine, and we took on bottom of the table Norwich. And Mason Mount's hat trick, 7 heaven. Chelsea, seven, Norwich, 0. Yes, the magnificent seven. What drink do Norwich hate? They hate seven up. Norwich are afraid of seven because seven, eight, nine. I'm going to stop. But hey, seven goals. You don't get that often. Uh, that's our highest tally as well in the Premier League since we put eight past Aston Villa in December of 2012. And you know what happened that that season? We got knocked out of the Champions League group stages. Rafa led to Europa League, but we had a nice European trophy. Um, so got to put it forward. The most important talking point of the game. Why doesn't Timo Werner like the yellow or orange wine gums? That was I love so that. Exciting. He that really did exciting. pick them and go, no, no. Oh, <laughs> he was so angry about it as well. <laughs> I've never seen such passion for wine gums. It's like, we all love wine. I like the red ones. The black ones are also very nice wine gums, but nothing wrong with the. Uh, I don't know, just, he just did not fancy those. But yeah, but other than that, other than that one, uh, how did you find that game?
1: Unbelievable. I think. Let's just, let's get it out of the way now. Norwich are terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, so ab- bad. A- absolutely shocking. Now, a team full of players that are playing out of their depth, they're, they're not Premier League quality players. and no. it, It's showing. And I think even no matter how they set up tactically, their players just aren't good enough for the level they're playing at. However, I thought some of our football was outstanding. And you can only beat what's in front of you. And other teams have played Norwich and haven't put anywhere near seven past them. I mean, Man City put five. Man City put five past a lot of people. Just five? Uh, (laughs) That's it. Not Uh, this. But I I, I thought that was some of the best football we've played for a good number of years, probably. Um, Really nice to see forward players actually affecting a game. I thought... Mm. Oddly enough, I thought we looked better without Lukaku. Like, I'm not saying that's not anything against Lukaku. I think the problem is, I think we said it after the Zenit game, when he scored the header, that we'd have almost, we almost become too reliant on him. And I think over the past few games, before he got injured, I think we were trying to force balls into Lukaku. Um, obviously, when he wasn't there on Saturday, we were using the space a lot better. Um using the three men wasn't trying to force it into a focal point I think it shows how much we've been misusing Lukaku in a way, like almost using him just as like a, a board for other people to play off isn't really his game and we should be using him more how we used Havertz on Saturday mm. um, because he didn't get on the score sheet, Havertz, but I thought he he, he had a, a decent game, actually. His movement was, was very good. I th- uh, think
0: that might have been because of Fark's tactics, because it was almost like yeah. he had no idea Lukaku was out, because he had three defenders on Havertz the whole time, which allowed, yeah. obviously, Hudson-Odoi and Chilwell to have such... Well, they were,
1: they were able to roam free, really. I thought what Havertz did really well was... Although the defender, one of the back three kept marking him really tight, Havertz kept coming into midfield, which brought the defender with him, which allowed Mount and hudson Adoy to get into the spaces in behind him. Um, Yeah, yeah. Havertz was really clever there and keep bringing him into midfield all the time. Um, I couldn't really, couldn't fault a player on the pitch, to be honest. And it's about time we had a performance like that. And I think we've all been saying that we've been waiting for the game since Tuchel took over, where everything clicks, and Saturday was the game.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, in our, on our Twitter, um, Tim he put forward and he said that he thinks it'll be a great confidence builder for a lot of the players. And obviously, yeah. when you're struggling and off your game a bit, seeing the ball going into the back of there, it's the best thing. I, I totally agree. Uh, some amazing stats. We're going to talk about Mason Mount in a minute, but. Some some random stats for you. Kovacic had five has five assists in nine Premier League games this season after having just six in 90 games before that. Chilwell obviously the first player to score in four successive Premier League games since Hazard did it in 2016, and Chelsea the first team to have four plus different English players score for them in a Premier League game. Obviously, removing own goals since Bournemouth versus Hull in 2016. Again, it was one of those where you're almost stat padding, as they say. You know, yes, Norwich are really bad, but they conceded more than three goals just one of a time this season, and that was at the Etihad. So this is an excellent result. Uh, Mason Mount, what a performance. I mean, irrelevant to the opposition. He he was criticised for not doing much this season. Your first senior hat-trick for the club. Wow, a 10 out of 10. I've seen most of his ratings are in most uh, publications. He
1: deserved that. What a showing. Yeah, I mean, aside from his first penalty, which was a shock, oh, Sparky wasn't happy about that. <laughs> uh, to be fair though, Mount's first penalty was a shocking penalty. It weren't great. It was awful. Even his retaken one wasn't brilliant. If you're going to go down the middle, I think you have to put it a bit higher. Um, but overall, didn't put a foot wrong in the game. And it, the the first goal in these games is so important. Um yeah. we said you it, said, we said that. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, said it on Friday that it was it. These sort of games, it's so important to get an early goal, and what a strike it was as well! Lovely clean shot. strike from the edge of the box, bottom corner, just set us off. Eight minutes gone. I mean, I think as well his overall play was really good. Like, he, obviously, he's going to get the headlines for getting the goals, but I thought his pass for Reece James's goal was outstanding mm. because the when the ball comes across the box to him, I think it's from Georginio, might have been Kovacic. He's actually facing the wrong way. He can't actually see Reese James making that run, but he manages to get the ball under control and play the pass almost in one movement with the perfect weight on it, just so James can just chip it over the, the goalkeeper as he comes out. That's the parts of Mason Mount's game that we've all said he needs to improve on. And I think... Oh, yeah. But listening to him talk, he knows what his his limitations are at the moment and, and the parts of his game he needs to work on. That's why I don't have any doubt that he will improve on those areas and get better because he's not kidding himself and thinking that he's the finished article. He, he, he knows that he needs to get more goals. He knows that he needs to get more assists. People always talk about open play assists, but I mean, an assist is an assist at the end of the day.
0: Oh, 100%. I think,
1: I think it was a real leader's performance from him as well. He really took the game by the scuff of the neck and dragged. People forward, and I thought that that entire front three worked really well together.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there was a lot of it was it was amazing how it all worked. And special a shout out for Hakim Ziyech. His his, his assist to the assist with Hudson Odoi before Mount scored. That was a lovely ball. And I don't know if you've seen the bit in the corner where he not makes. Yeah. I can't remember. Is it it's was it. it
1: Aaron's? Yeah, Max Aaron's who had an absolute nightmare day.
0: Oh, I mean, poor
1: guy. He's ended his career. It was so, so good. Ziak though, I think, he he come on, he didn't get that much time on the pitch, but the time that he was on, the way he played is more how he needs to play. I think lately he's been trying to do too much when Mm. he's been playing. I don't know whether that's because he hasn't been in the team regularly, he's trying to make an impression, but he seemed to be doing things a lot quicker. Um, Like for for Mount's hat-trick goal, it's brilliant from Loftus-Cheek as well to get the ball almost at right-back mm. and drive forward. But the little quick return pass to Loftus-Cheek really is the pass that makes the goal. Like, Loftus-Cheek will get the assist, but like you said, that pass from Ziek is more important almost than Loftus-Cheek just rolling it across for Mount to tap in. Mm. Um, it's the sort of passes that we haven't been doing lately. Everything's been slow, more touches than they need. It was a lovely first-time pass from Ziek, and it was, it was good to see people coming off the bench and, and making an impact. Yeah, think, that's that's the thing. Like you said about I mean Kovacic has been outstanding this season and his his forward passing has got so much better. He's still he still overplays at times I think. I think the closer to the goal he gets the worse he gets. I think a lot of his assists have come from turning turning quick in midfield and playing the ball like he did for Hudson-Odoi's opening goal. He's got really good at that. It's it's in and around the edge of the box I have a problem with Kovacic just sometimes too many touches overplaying it when it's just a little quick little one-two that he should be playing. But he's been outstanding this season. But the one person I do think his uh, performance will go a little bit under the radar because didn't get a goal is Jorginho. Mm. I, think, I think that's the best game I've seen Jorginho have in a Chelsea shirt. I think he's had some really good games. I'm a big Jorginho fan. I think he's he's an outstanding midfield player.
0: Well, like I said too in the group chat we have, I, I, as soon as he was put in, I saw a few people going, why hasn't this combo been fielded, Kovačič and whatever? And I thought, no, because we need that control, that yeah that he's, the, he's the conductor in our orchestra of a team. Whenever well, he, he's not on the pitch, you do seem to think oh, oh, we don't have that control that we should have,
1: definitely. And against teams like Norwich, that's really important because we needed to sustain attacks, and Jorginho picked up a lot of second balls when Norwich was clearing the first, Jorginho would be the one picking up the second, playing a little forward pass just to keep us on the attack, making sure they couldn't ever get out, and his his performance on Saturday was very Fabregas-like, I thought. Um, His forward passing and the amount of times he plays forward, I've noticed it over the past few weeks actually, he plays forward now more frequently than he's probably ever done for mm. us. I know a lot of a lot of the criticism of Jorginho is he plays sideways and backwards a lot. But lately, he has been playing more progressive passes, um, getting into those little spaces as well, uh, just inside the wing back, where he can deliver little crosses into the box from those areas, little slid passes down the side. And I thought most most of the goals you can trace back to a Jorginho pass starting the move off. And that was yeah. really important. There was a lot of times where he was picking the ball up off the back three, and then his pass through the lines allowed the next player to play the pass for the assist and then for the goal. Hundred percent. Sort of, those sort of things do go unnoticed by a lot of people, but I do think he deserves some, some praise for how he just dominated that midfield, him and Kovacic, but Jorginho was really important in terms of setting a tempo to the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been absolutely, absolutely key to our squad. And I think we almost think sometimes we underrate how key he can be. And it's only when we've not got him in the squad, we sort of notice it more. We've got got to give some respect to him. Um, Obviously, I write these scripts on, usually I did this, this was Sunday morning. It was almost like I knew what was about to happen because I wrote, we're top of the league. We've got the most goals scored before Liverpool played United. I didn't know what was about to happen, but I thought Liverpool probably get one or two. Didn't expect the uh, onslaught of five, but hey, not many. I don't think even uh, United did. But uh, the main another thing, though, I think the key thing here is least goals conceded. I mean, yeah. that's uh, three this season. I'm pretty happy with that. One of them was, uh, has there been any from open play? Yeah. I know the one was the penalty for Salah
1: uh sort Six, of the Gab, the Gab- Zeus one was sort of open play wasn't it because we defended yeah. the first corner and then it come back in but I'd still say that was a set piece goal conceded to be honest. Hmm. I actually think though that that the fact that we've only conceded 3 yeah, goals Yeah
0: because scored a penalty
1: didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. 3 goals in is it 9 or 10 Premier League games now? 10 is uh, it? nine, nine. nine. Yeah. 3 goals in 9 games. I think that's not being talked about enough. To be that's amazing. I mean, Man City have got four conceded, so I mean, they're be, close. But... Yeah, I'll be amazed if we do. I don't think we will. But the start of the season, the way we look defensively, especially with Mendy, I think that's the, the key. Like, There has been times where we haven't actually defended very well as a team. We've allowed the opposition a lot of chances, but Mendy's been like a, a brick wall. Um, we could, you know, we're, look, we're, we're looking at our own record for least goals conceded in a season. I think, uh,
0: yeah, I'd hate to break your heart here, but remember, January is coming.
1: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I do think Mendy going to the African Cup of Nations could put power to that. But... I think that's
0: where the title race will sway to City's fav- favour. It will, but we have to be realistic because they've got the least amount of players going, whilst Liverpool have got key. You know, two of their three front three are going. We've
1: lost our goalkeeper. Oh. I, th- I think you're right there. I think the the title race could come down to who copes the best when their players are at the AFCON. Yeah. Luckily, we're. I mean, Mendy has been unreal, but Kepa hasn't really put a foot wrong under under Thomas Tuchel. So, I'm hoping that I don't know what our fixtures are like. What while Mendy's away or how deep? It depends how deep into the competition they go. But I think I think it's going to hit Liverpool the hardest, losing Mane and Salah. I think that that really opens the door for us and Man City to take a lead on on liverpool during that period
0: um here the fixtures are if if when it goes it goes underway on the night for jan we miss the away they missed the away game at city on the 15th uh, a, awesome. no a visit of spurs on january 22nd uh, and then it says brighton and potentially arsenal at home that's three days after the afcon final so if obviously ziek and Mendy are in the final for example
1: See, I I mean Man City away obviously is not ideal to not have Arsenal. No, rookie. not really. Um, the others though, Tottenham at home, we should be able to cope. Oh, it, it's especially it's it's probably the Arsenal one which worries me the most. Mm. I mean Liverpool's dates are
0: hilarious. They've got Brentford Palace and Leicester. It's not they're not and they're fake up, obviously. That's
1: not that's not bad for them. They should yeah. beat those three. Yeah, even even with... Uh, I don't know, though, because without Salah is so key oh, to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And lose, they'll lose Marley at the same time, so... Yeah, not just his goals as well, Salah. It's the fact that he draws so much attention from defenders that it gives other people space. And mm-hmm. the people they are bringing in really aren't going to be anywhere near as good as they Jota, Jota's been outstanding for him. So, he'll play. Bobby Firmino will play, who's hit and miss. And then, you know, it's Origi, Minamino... They could they could drop points there. I mean, Brentford isn't going to be easy, and and Leicester's not never easy either. So mm. I do I do think you're right there. I do think that that's going to be massive. That January, the Afghans yeah. almost decide the title. You'd have thought
0: it it really will. Um, final words on, I mean, I, I might be a bit harsh and very Jamie O'Hara, but I've seen some bad sides in the Premier League. But and it, is it? I get I understand why it's a controversial viewpoint, whichever way people side on it. But I kind of do understand the negative comments towards Norwich because. It does sort of come down to the fact that the Premier League parachute payments, even for the relegated teams, allow them to flex a bit more in the transfer market compared to the other Championship teams when they go down. That's why you kind of see that two to three same teams yo-yo between the Championship and the Premier League. My point was, Brentford, at least they've come up and given it a go. You kind of feel that, and Sheffield United and Leeds as well, but you kind of feel that Norwich has come up and go, they've, they've done well over the summer, but they got rid of Buendia and you kind of think they've come up. They're going to pocket the money and probably go down again because I can't. And then next season, will they be in the top three for the championship? Yeah, I'll probably think they would. Yeah, I get the frustration. You can't just say, right, do they deserve to be in the Premier League? Well, yes, because they won the championship. I'm not saying they don't, but I kind of see the frustration where it's, but do they deserve it over other teams because of their financial imbalance because of parachute payments? Yeah, I I sort of see the point
1: there. I I think, think, you know, the parachute payment thing really needs looking at. I, I I don't think you should be massively rewarding failure and mm. coming into the Premier League and going straight back down and then getting £90 million for it seems a bit of a joke to me, especially when you add on top of that all the TV money they would have got during the season they was in the Premier League. Yeah. You've got to start looking at it now. The idea of the parachute money was to stop clubs from going out of business when they yes. got ready. Yes, yeah. But the gulf now between money in the championship and money in the Premier League isn't that big. There's, there's some rich owners now in the championship. Um, so do we still need the parachute money? Maybe that that's one way to go, get rid of it altogether. But to, if you really wanted to safeguard still the clubs, I think you should only get the parachute money if you get relegated and don't get promoted straight away. So you don't get it. Like if Norwich go down this season, which is they, it,
0: yeah, if you get promoted, you still don't you don't get a payment, but you obviously have got the benefit of being in the Premier League, haven't you?
1: Yeah. So if Norwich go down this season, they obviously next season they'd get given some some money for getting relegated. Some mm. part of the parachute payment. I I think you should scrap that and not give them anything the first year they get relegated. Then yeah. if they don't get promoted that season, then they can get the parachute money to make sure they're sustainable in the championship because obviously now they're in a league where the money's not, as not TV money's not as lucrative. But if you're going to get promoted, collect TV money, get relegated, collect the parachute money, get promoted, get relegated, get promoted, what's the point? You can see the ups, you can see the the kickback.
0: I mean, it does give them an unfair advantage, yeah.
1: It gives them an unfair advantage in the Championship because they'll have so much more money than the other clubs who have been down there for a few years. And it, it gives no incentive to owners to invest to be competitive in the Premier League because the money they'll get for staying up, if you stayed up and finished 17th, you're not going to get a lot more money than if you Mm -hmm. got relegated. So, you know, it's, it, it, there's no incentive there for owners to say we need to invest in the squad and we need to stay up because a lot of them are quite happy to, to come up and down
0: and just collect them. It's when you look at the amount as well, when obviously this is just a really far back example, When Burnley and Hall got relegated in fourteen fifteen, they received that following season twenty five point nine million. A nice amount. But if we go forward a few years, just a couple, you notice that those parachute payments skyrocket to where they're pocketing forty million, whoever gets relegated now. Yeah,
1: that's what that's over
0: forty million. That's a that's a huge advantage in the the championship when you think about some of the
1: budgets that those clubs are on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean it didn't do Sunderland any good, but (laughs) No, the problem is that that's why a lot of these teams will keep coming up and down because because they get relegated and they probably have still got some players in their squad who are too good for the championship. Yeah. But they don't have to sell them because they've got all this money coming in so they can keep their best players to make sure they get promoted again. Whereas other clubs in the championship, you look at Blackburn, for example, with uh, Adam Armstrong. Yeah. They had, and he was their top goal scorer for numerous seasons. Mm-hmm. They didn't get promoted they've had to sell him when southampton come in because they can't sustain yeah
0: Uh, the next one from them straight away uh, that yeah the next name that comes off my mind from
1: blackburn will be ben brereton diaz yeah exactly Um, amazing player which they probably won't he'll be the next one to leave and they'll have to do it so they can sustain staying in the championship Mm. whereas norwich will go down and i don't know todd campwell or he's going he's on his contract expires at the end of this season or um, that Vysica that they've signed to was yes. in the Bundesliga. He's probably too good for the championship, but will they have to sell him? No, because they'll just use the money from mm-hmm. the parish payment to sustain that squad, which will then be too good for the championship and come up again. I mean, I- I'll be amazed if Norwich this year don't break Derby's record for lowest amount of points because it's, they look so out of their depth.
0: It's possible. It's really possible. I mean, they will probably get a worse goal difference, I imagine. The points, you never know. You never know. So many results can surprise
1: us. I don't know who Norwich would have to play now for me to think they can beat them. Oh,
0: yes, that's a fair. It's a fair point. Um, with that, we, we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. You can search for at At the Bridge Pod and tell us what your favourite colour of wine gum is. You know, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> please uh, see if you side with Timo or not. It'll oh, be very interesting. Uh, if you listen to our Apple Podcast, leave us a five-star review. It really does help us out. We'll be back for our weekly catch-up with all of you on Friday evening. So till then, that is us signing off.